Take the usual podcast hosting companies and you'll stay in expensive wonderland. Take the podcast of Matrix hosting and you'll experience a completely different world of whole podcast library hosting. Choose wisely at podcastmatrix.com. That's podcastmatrix.com. My name is Wade Bielsen. I'm the Sage of St. Louis. I've been driving a cab in the city for over 20 years. I've had over 80,000 conversations in the dark just looking for answers, mostly on how to fix the problems of the world. It's given me a very unique way of looking at the world and a different sense of its problems, a Wade sense, if you will. These are cab driver solutions, conceived in an environment free of political correctness and irrational fear. This is Wade Sense, the podcast. Come join us. Normally when I will start a show, I've got an idea, usually it's recounting some kind of a cabbie type issue or story where I've picked somebody up and I had a conversation that ended up leading to the meat topic for the show. This particular instance, I honestly cannot remember if it was because I was sitting at home and reading something Mm -hmm. or just sitting at a quick trip and I came across this article, wherever it was, I I saw a story. It was, uh, and I think you probably heard the same one, where the uh, guy was sentenced to 16 years for burning the gay flag. Did you hear this at all? Uh, No. No, I don't think I did. Okay. It's a gentleman by the name of Adolfo Martinez of Iowa. And now he had, and they didn't go into this Was he part. in Iowa? Yeah. Wow. Okay. He already had an extensive criminal record. So mm-hmm. I, I wish that they would have put that in because it would have made the 16 years a bit more relevant. Uh, basically, he saw a gay flag on a church. It upset him greatly. He snatched it off and burned it. Long story short, he ends up in front of the judge, and the judge ends up giving him 16 years, a year for um, arson, and basically they took his crime and tripled it because of past incidences of the same thing. Or it's crimes that are indicative of hate against insert whatever he's angry about? Adolfo Martinez of Iowa has an extensive criminal record littered with arrests and convictions. In June, he stole a congregational church's gay pride flag and set it ablaze. In Iowa, as elsewhere, it is illegal to steal another's property. It is also illegal to set such things on fire. Under Iowa law, Martinez's flag burning constituted a hate crime, Mm. which aggravates the offense. State law enhances the sentencing guidelines for habitual offenders. Yeah. I'm not not a big old fan of the hate crime. No, I'm not. For those of you who misconstrue what I'm telling everybody, it doesn't mean that what happens inside of a hate crime is something I, I am affirmative of. It means that a crime is a crime. Shooting a dude is not good. Nowhere is shooting a black or a gay dude. Right, no. And no. so the increased toppling of penalty is a very, very slippery slope, and I think that we've jumped across it face first with both feet. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. people, there's a reason that the, the Statue of Justice has a blindfold and she's holding the scales of justice. Mm-hmm. The blindfold is because it stands for you cannot legislate morality. You cannot judge what is in a man's heart when a crime is committed. Right. Justice is supposed to be blind, which means emotionally blind as well. Mm-hmm. And the thing that upset me so much was that, one, as usual, the media didn't bother to clarify that there were other crimes behind this. Two, the punishment did not justify 
the uh, the man's crime. At at best, it should have been a fine community service. Maybe if it was really egregious, maybe if somebody got hurt in the process, a couple years for assault, whatever it was, this was unjustified. And the problem that really, really enrages me is that, and and to be completely above board and, and honest, I don't have any issue with gay people. Really, nobody does anymore. It's, it's not even an issue of that. It's the fact that somehow things are construed as hate crimes. I think it is much, and I think most Americans would agree, it is much more hateful to the average American that you can burn an American flag and that falls under freedom of speech. But if you burn a gay flag, that is somehow a hate crime. It's it's ridiculous. You're talking about less than a 6% of the population. How is their sexuality? I love the French idea of sexuality. What happens behind your doors is your business. And it always should be. If it doesn't include children or animals, do whatever the hell you want. You're an adult. But I don't understand why your sexuality is my business. Mine isn't yours. It's just where we have gotten with the whole hate speech, which is where the meat topic for me comes in for our show. How do we make the First Amendment fit the 21st century? It bothers me that we've come to this point where there needs to be clarifications in something that is so crystal clear in its intent from where the founders came from. You have to understand something, people. When our country was founded, we were we were coming from the most, not brutal dictatorship, but the most total dictatorship. There was no questioning the king, not without serious penalties for your actions. For just being able to say what it is that you're thinking. That was first and foremost in the founders when they came, when the very first amendment, when they were sitting down, when they were putting together what would be our country, what would be the United States of America was you have the freedom of speech. That also means the freedom of assembly and the freedom to express yourself. And where we are now, this is the part that I find so troubling, is that two things. One, it is somehow now accepted that you can be a protester and be paid to be it. I have serious problems with this. If you want to protest, it's your God-given right as an American to protest whatever the hell you want. But my problem is where we are now is that, one, people are being paid to do this. Two, destruction, vandalism, uh, straight-out bullying of people is now somehow accepted and falls under the umbrella of freedom of speech. That's where we come today with our show. I don't believe that this is acceptable. I do think now that there needs to be clarifications to the First Amendment. What do you think, Mike? I don't. I think I don't. I think that the First Amendment is specifically written, as are many of the other legislative points, especially from the ones from the founders, Mm -hmm. that are written with governance in mind also. But they are a loose skeleton, very much like your program skeleton is. Wade writes something that in Two Guys Talking Land we call a skeleton. Right. And the skeleton is a series of bullet points that help Wade not only stay on track, but help him remember things that perhaps he's forgotten because he's old. <laughs> it's coming your way, my friend. <laughs> the, uh, the, the advent of the skeleton, though, also means that Wade, according to what he sees, and because of the wonderful nature of this being an edited program, allows us to pack meat on it. Hence why we call it what is the meat topic inside of this episode, Wade. Yeah. And that's why 
there is a general outline that is there and that there are a series of structures inside of Wade Sense's podcast skeleton, just like there are the U.S. Constitution. And so they are not word for word specific of every single thing on planet Earth that's going to be legislated. That's what the local municipalities, the city governments, and the state governments are for, to help outline what, according to constituents and voters, Mm -hmm. think should also be parts of legislation inside of the states that they are considered either thumbed up or thumbed down and then voted through. And the instant that we stop doing that, we are no longer the representative republic that this country is. And so... I get that everybody wants to clarify and everybody, you know, things need to change because we're not walking around with buckskins and, and one-shot muskets and no, everything no, else. No, no, that, that's but the, not. The, the, uh, the, the gist is that it's supposed to be reasonably loose and true. Right. When you sent over the skeleton this afternoon, yeah. I immediately went and looked at the First Amendment because if you were to just walk up to me this afternoon, I would not have been able to tell you what the First Amendment is. I'm going to read the entire First Amendment of the Constitution Please for everybody. Do. It is about seven pages long. So read di- all seven pages. So, so dig in. Oh, God. All right, ready? Here is the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. And it's a thick one, but I want you all to pay attention. The First Amendment. An amendment to the U.S. Constitution that prohibits any law limiting freedom with respect to religion, expression, peaceful assembly, or the right of citizens to petition the government. Oh, wait, that's it. Wait a minute, what about peaceful assembly? That's what I'm I'm talking about is now people are being, they're not being peaceful. They're shouting people down. They're destruction of property. That's not peaceful. Right, but that is covered inside of legislation inside of every single municipality on planet Earth. (sighs) Inside the city of insert name of city on planet Earth. Not just the U.S. Mm-hmm. There is a law that says you may not destroy public property. And when that happens, the police step in and they regulate. That's what police officers do. And if they're not doing it, it's because they're not there. It's because it's not been complained about or they simply are not able to do their job. But see, that's the problem. You say the police step in. There are some areas where the police are like in uh, Portland where they let a lot of things happen to counter-protest because right. they were so, sympathetic to it. Right. So when we change whatever's in the, the mayor cons- flat out said, you can't do this. Right. Now, so that- when we when we change whatever's in the Constitution that isn't, and when I when I say this, I'm not pointing at Wade and saying this is what Wade wants. He is pointing but, at me, people. <laughs> but what I am telling you is that if we change the Constitution so that uh-huh. it includes whatever Wade sense thinks that needs to be altered, oh, okay, that's fine. And so then the cops are going to step in and do something because they're not doing it now and it's against their own laws. So, no, I, I don't. I don't think that there should be tiny little spoon fed alterations to somehow modify the general modicum of law and order that is dictated inside the justice system that then becomes the blind scales that are given to Lady Justice so that we, especially in America, can deal with justice on a case-by-case basis and everybody gets every single right that they are due in due process. Period. Paragraph. But who would have thought, I don't think the founders thought, I don't think the founders could have envisioned Antifa and how they're just let loose running wild and how on campuses... Kids will shout down with the encouragement from their professors, by the way, which really enrages me. 
people speaking something that they have an issue with. They, they, there's a Pew, um, I'm going to read from it. There is a, a, a Pew poll where they went, they actually went around the world. They talked to 40,000 people around the world, and the U.S. was more likely to be uh, in favor of freedom of speech. But millennials in this country, upwards of 40% of them, want the government to be able to punish speech that might possibly be offensive to minorities. See, the problem there is that you then have to define that speech and those people. But it's being defined. No, it's not. No, it's not. If you say anything that can be construed as racist today, you can have all kinds of penalties thrown at you. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've covered this before. The differences between stereotyping and actual racism. Mm -hmm. Like if I flat out say that black people aren't as intelligent as everybody else. That's a racist statement. Right. If or, I come, or, fly, if I come out and again, say... Again, this, this kind of goes backwards. It, it always needs to work backwards, though. What everything, everything that was made by the founders for the structure of the U.S. Constitution was made, and it was made in general. But do you think they honestly could have seen people being paid to protest and that being covered under it? No, but I, I would also provide you the supposition that it's also being worked that way, where people now find a way and avenue... That is subverting the normal, natural <sighs> process of law so as to be inside of a either gray area or an area that is unattended currently by insert name of law enforcement so that there can be that traction that they get, whether it's the news cameras being there or preying on a sympathetic news agency or whatever it happens to be and the reason why they continue doing it. Uh, wait, I'm telling you, if... The people of Antifa were met with rubber bullets and tear gas. Mm -hmm. My guess is that Portland would probably not have the problem with Antifa. No. Again, this is not a Constitution thing. You can't modify the Constitution and then Antifa's going it, to... It, it's just like gun stuffs, dude. I know, but if, if we make more, if we yeah, make more then, legislation but, inside... Hold on. If we make more legislation inside of gun anything, there is never going to be a day where the criminal that is currently holding and probably an illegal weapon, let's say an even legal weapon. Right. And then they choose to do crime and they're going to walk up to the door. They're going to get their hand on the door handle and they're going to go, Oh, wait a second. That's right. a crime. Yeah. Never mind. By the way, officer here, please take this illegal weapon. Exactly. Not going to happen. It, it's never going to happen. Right. And so assuming that us writing anything or altering anything that exists where Antifa is going to be in the middle of the street, ready to pounce and do whatever their dastardly worst is that you were talking about, or even being paid to be a protester, whatever. It doesn't matter. It means that nobody is going to go look at the legislation, look at the piece of paper or look at their cell phone and go, oh, my God, we're breaking the law. We better stop. But what if there's what if, what if the clarifications allow the police to better do their job, and it was illegal for the mayor to say, you can't do this. In, in other words, federal law comes down above whatever local uh, bleeding heart mayor says, no, you, I don't feel like you can do this. I happen to know a number of very straightforward, straight-laced talking uh, law enforcement officers mm -hmm. who will come in and give the perspective of both the police chief inside of X city right. and also probably the relationships that they're experiencing with someone like the mayor of that city. Mm -hmm. And we probably should because the, the, the fact is that if there are laws on the books, mm -hmm. you can't make more laws on the books more than the laws that are already there. And then the bad guys just go, Oh, there it's fallacy. It's, it's a dream. It's never going to work like that. So it won't matter what you alter to make the, the first amendment fit the 21st century. Because it's still rules, and they're going to break them, just like they're doing right now.
What 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 could be on the books where Antifa goes, oh, 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 wait a second. Don't do that because it's now against the law because it's been written in there in the last six months. The answer is nothing. They're not going to stop. What if the law, what if law enforcement stops them? They should be stopping them now. Whatever Antifa's doing, there's That's a what law I'm against to whatever say they're is doing. That there needs to be laws on the books that a mayor can't stop the police from doing their job. Somewhere inside. I mean, look, the, like, look at what's happening right now in Virginia where you've got the majority of the counties in Virginia that have flat out told the governor, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to, cons- we're going to consider ourselves sanctuary uh, counties to the point where there's actually a, a number of counties that are thinking of joining West Virginia. Right. And, and if that's and look a at piece, how those guys got together. They protested 20,000 plus people. Right. And if, if that's a piece of the circle that can be made along with whatever process needs to be followed to, for lack of a better term, secede to West Virginia, then mm-hmm. do it. Right. But why should but you if have there to do isn't that, one? Well, because that's the way that it's written. What what in the what could be altered inside of the Constitution to make it so that it's easier to do that? I see. I don't I don't think that things like that should be easy. The 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 whole concept of having a, a representative republic like we are supposed to have here, right, is that whomever is on the top tier in legislation inside of the House, inside of the Senate, are supposed to be making decisions based on what we want made as decisions. And what is becoming abundantly clear and has been abundantly clear for a lot of years is that the people that are in office, they are in for what they want, not for what they are told they should be legislating. Mm. That it's never, it's never, I don't think it's been more clear than probably the last year of a three-year assault on our existing president mm-hmm. who is, for all intents and purposes, going to check off every single box he promised and then some. Yeah. It should not be easy, but there should be a process to oust somebody, especially inside of government, mm. especially inside of uh, a seat that hasn't changed for longer than half millennials have been alive. Mm-hmm. How is that person possibly representing the same anything inside of a state where it's not the same mass of people anymore? There's a lot of frustrations inside of government, but what won't fix it is altering the fabric of the skeletal structure of what's helped us foster along this far. But it's under assault everywhere. And now it's under, the problem is, is what's causing this. And then I'll get into this is that it is a cadre of professors who, for lack of a better way of putting it, are communist light across the country that are instructing these kids that governments that are totalitarian in nature and have been through their existence Mm -hmm. are okay and that you shouldn't be able to say things that go against political correctness, which is a tool of communism, even though that's not being reported anymore. That is what has to be addressed. And there needs to be a full-on frontal assault on these professors. That, And my idea on, on that is that I want them called on the carpet. What is it that these professors that profess these particular beliefs, what is it that they all have in common? What books have they read? What, who uh, do they follow? Even down to the point of, of, of what are their voting records, let them come clean as to what it was that their influences and why is it they think that our framework is inferior and needs to be subverted. In other words, a free market economy, a free country, as opposed to a totalitarian one where they don't bother to tell these kids that this, that this form of government that they're pursuing is responsible for 100 million plus deaths and untold misery for the 20th century. They're not doing that. And what the, my whole idea with that, to begin with, 
is that there needs to be a fight for equal representation on campuses of conservative speakers, materials, groups, and it needs to be pushed, encouraged, for lack of a better way of getting it. If you want federal funding, you need to insist that there is equal representation. In other words, if you believe that your ideas are superior, fine, put them up in the arena of ideas against these conservative concepts. You shouldn't be afraid of it. You should have no problem whatsoever letting the kids decide on their own. But these children are being encouraged to shout down any ideas that their professors are telling them are unacceptable. You know, to the point of, like, like what's, what's the big one right now? Climate change. Okay, fine. I want to see, I would love to see scientists from consider both sides of the spectrum get together and present their evidence and say, and, and just... If it's a hoax, then let it be pointed out as to being one, because you, you can't possibly regard anything as serious when for the last hundred years, every 10 years, they keep moving the goalposts. There are predictions going back where in the 80s, we were going to be half wiped out by some uh, starvation, uh, plague, whatever well, that didn't happen because all because in, of climate change. In regard to climate change, I think, you know, if we look at the... the but that's considered by religion by these kids. They're, they're if, that zealous. If if we look at the kick-ass Green Deal that was perpetuated oh middle of last year, we, we can look at it and go, and that's why. That's why it doesn't work, is because it instantly grinds everything to a halt and is based on stuff that is, or, is either not proven or is reasonably presented that it is not... It, it, again, go back to the moving of the goalpost. It's amorphous. Right. Yeah, it's not a law. It's, right. It doesn't. It doesn't become something that must be met and or better than. But these children it, are acting like things that are based in emotion are based in truth. That all comes back to what you were talking about. AOC, the one that started this crap, mm -hmm. when she said, and no one stopped her on it, no one questioned her on it. Well, it see, it's not just her though. The, 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 but the, she's the face of it, right? Right. Now, but see, Mike. The, every time you pick out a concept and a face and everything else, right? Then why aren't we just shutting up those faces? And the answer is because I it, don't want to shut them up. I just want them to be right. Properly... You're not listening to me, though. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You keep pointing to these very specific hot points and/or people, uh -huh. and I don't have any problem with that. That's fine. Right. But if that's where the problem is then that's where the problems need to be addressed or back up and figure out where her problem is being initiated and or fueled and hit it there. But what you can't do is just go, this is wrong. Let's change everything because that doesn't help anybody. The instant that the alterations you're talking about to the First Amendment are made, mm -hmm. there will instantly be a machine going at the same time that will instantly find the new cracks so that Antifa can go do something else inside of whatever city you're Oh, yeah, they're relentless, to. absolutely. There will be another new turquoise plan yeah. that ALC will issue out and say, you know, my first one was good, but this one is the bomb. And she'll issue that one. So, again, it's much easier to explain to people any one of, especially if you look at the Green Deal. Mm -hmm. the, the, the Green Deal is... It's insane. It, it's beyond insane. And all it takes is being able to share that. You have to remember, though, that very often things like this are an echo chamber. I would I would compare a lot of what happens in politics on both sides, yeah. by the way, yeah. as exactly what happens inside of conspiracy discussion in that an echo chamber rules out. If there is nothing but the same people standing around you saying the same things and nobody ever makes time for the other side or says anything different, how can you possibly expect anything to be different? 
but the answer is you can't. But here's the difference, though, between the left and the right. And, and I think that you'll agree, and I think the majority of, of our listeners. I won't. Don't shake your head at me. You don't know what I, I'm going to say. Sure I do. What am I going to say? You're going to go blah, 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 the left. Blah, 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 the right. And that's why the right's better. And the answer is no, it's not. There, there, there are plenty of people on the left-hand side and the right-hand side that are lunatics outright. Okay. But all I'm going to say, what I was trying to say is that the difference between the left and the right is that the left has shown that they are continually making their decisions based in emotion mm-hmm. as opposed to logic and facts from the right, which the right has pretty much continuously shown that it's they're, they're basing their decisions based in logic and facts. It's, you, you, okay. It's, so, so based on what you've said, we make a law that says you may no longer make decisions based on emotion no, and everything's no, fixed. No, 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 That is not okay. what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is that there needs to be the ability to have equal representation of thought. Let the people decide. Let the people of this country, let the people on the campuses, let the people in the schools decide on their own. Let them look at both competing ideologies and mm-hmm. let them decide. That's the right. only fair thing. And to say, and, and if you are... See, though, it's not, though. That's, why is that, that not fair? Because that's not representative republic. Huh? Do, do you think that AOC is just some lady walking down the street and she gets to say what she wants because she's AOC? She was voted into office, but do you honestly believe that the people of her district would have voted her in if they thought the first thing that she was going to do was kill jobs based on her ideology? We'll know the instant her seat comes up, won't we? Yeah, we will. We absolutely will. That's my point. That that goes back to – that goes something even even thicker, I think, than the structure of the Constitution. How about some term limits? Well, yeah. Oh, that's been screamed at for years. Like I told you about, the Convention of States is hopefully going to make that happen. I would love to know uh-huh. where that is. I need to check into that and see just what, what their progress is. I know that Missouri was teetering on signing. Or it's teetering on signing Remember already, also yeah. that there are ways to remove people in the middle. We are we happen to be one of the many states, unfortunately, now uh-huh. where our governor was removed recently. Right. Or there was enough stacked up against him to remove him, and so he resigned. Right. Yeah. And so where are all the commonsensical people that are inside of the, we're mostly left, but we don't like what AOC is saying because it's lunacy. Where are all those people, Wade? They're not stepping up to the plate (laughs) because the tribalism that has happened in our country Mm -hmm. is so thick and so ridiculous to this point that people aren't even making decisions. They're just, that goes against my my group's thought, so I'm going to. Sure. Let's let's grab the wheel because the the wheel is this. How do we make the First Amendment fit the 21st century? Right. And the answer is we don't. We We do nothing to it. No, we don't. You can't can't make the laws more enforceable by enforcing the general skeletal structure of law. But we're not enforced. Like you said, peaceful assembly. The people aren't assembling peaceful either on campus or in the street or Mm -hmm. anywhere. The, and the, the, and the, I think I there has to be something done in those cities. It's the same thing. It's like people think that, that, that you can be in your job place and you can say something or do something and it falls under freedom of speech. No, in that right. instance, when, it doesn't. When, when was the last unpeaceful protest on a campus inside of, say, I don't know, St. Louis? I don't remember. The last unpeaceful one? Yeah. I can't think. Well, you know why there wasn't, you know, wasn't one in memory? Why? Because I don't know when there was one. Last protest? No, the last unpeaceful protest on a campus inside of St. Louis was okay. Where, where the police wouldn't step in. That's different. This is the Midwest. We tend to make a little more sense here. Right, but— it, Sorry, guys. That's just the truth. Right, but again, it goes back to—and so what you're saying is that the municipality is not managing the resources and people that they should be, right? All right, then how do we fix that? Since this show is about solutions, how do we fix that? 
that's about having a real conversation with people of influence that can tell people that they should be doing their jobs. Oh. Um, I, again, my, my request would go out to any of the number of law enforcement officers that we have connected to the show who yeah. can come in and talk about the politics of a police chief who has to do X because the mayor says you must do X. And that just does not seem right. It, it doesn't seem right, but changing the Constitution is not going to change any of that. There's not there's nothing that can be put in the Constitution that says and mayors may not be unfair to local law enforcement and then it gets greenlit. No, what I'm there trying no to say what I'm, what I'm trying to say is what I was trying to say in, in making the First Amendment fit the 21st century. My idea is is that there, like I said, there are people who are paid to protest. There are kids that think that it is acceptable to use violence and intimidation, and that that falls under the First Amendment. And how can that possibly be allowed to stand? That's where I'm coming at. That's where that that that's the whole impetus behind this particular episode. Is how do we say that one is covered and one isn't? It's very simple. It's the First Amendment. It's freedom of speech, but that does not mean freedom to intimidate those that are speaking that you don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. And that needs to stop. And I'm trying to figure out just exactly how to make that stop. And as always, in every single thing that I come up with, I can think of, it comes back to to educating the kids now to understand that uh, that's not going to be tolerated and it's not going to be accepted. Right now on campuses, college kids are being encouraged by their professors to shout down speakers that the professors have a problem with. That's largely where it's happening and it's being encouraged. I've, I've seen a number of times where conservative groups will be on campus and they've got their table set up with their stuff and some kid comes up and just starts tearing it apart and all they do is just film it. Mm-hmm. That kid, th- there needs to be uh, punishments I, to that, that, that and, student. And I think there are now. I, I know that there are there there have been instances like that where the kid then gets a jail sentence. It's not it's not years. It's not a prison, but he does go to jail and he is penalized. No, I wasn't thrown off campus. If you are going to if if, if you're going to doesn't matter what you want. They're a, they're acting on the letter of the law that's currently inside of the govern inside of the governance of either the campus or the city in which the campus is. I know that there. I don't know the how jurisdictions work inside of campus police them, but I don't. I don't think that they supersede the city's governance of what happens. Uh Um, There's probably a code of conduct that students have to follow. And I would imagine that there are a limited number of times that a student can go and do that. It may not actually say you may not approach a uh, opposing political presentation table and destroy it. But it'll say something that that can be roped in by a lawyer that will be something that will shut up and stop that kid from doing that. The other thing I think that happens, and I only, again, I only know this because I know enough cops now, is that very often police officers wait for a mistake to be made. Mm-hmm. Because very often happens, especially in inside the Antifa stuff, so you can see this on video of just about every city now. Mm-hmm. Whenever they appear, the police just kind of wait. Because at some point, there are a series of laws that mm-hmm. are... The backbone of law, right? And they will continue to escalate their escapade and not stop. And then when they do, like breaking windows out of a out of a public place, or right. the, the one that I think got me that was very strange. I just I don't remember the time of year, but uh, you may not actually wear a mask in the city of Washington D.C. Good. I don't understand, and that's nothing. I don't understand how masks have anything to do. Well, sure, with if it's protesting. cold outside, it does matter. Yeah, but that's not the case with these Antifa guys. They're they're just trying right, to be intimidating. But you, again, you're painting with as wide a brush as they paint. 
where if it's 10 degrees outside, guess what I'm going to have on my face, regardless of what my political lean is. Okay. Fair? All right, fine. That okay. makes sense. But if that's not right. the case. Right. There should be a temperature where, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that there isn't a law, but you know what? That law is not in the Constitution. No, and that- It's prob- in local that governance. Be, that would be local. Right. right. That would be local. Right. As where all of this other that, stuff should be. I'm just saying intimidation should not be covered. And that is that is making the First Amendment fit the 21st century. Intimidation, bullying should not be covered. That that is your freedom of speech. Bullying is coming to life very quickly. Actually, my, my daughter's school right now has what I think is a very wide-sweeping bullying piece of legislation. That, On social media as well, obviously. Well, I think it frankly started inside of social media and then mm. spread out outwards. Okay. So it, it's very strange. And now, Jade's what grade? Uh, Jade is a junior now in junior, high okay. school. All right. And I'll tell you, I would have liked to have had something like what she has right now when yeah. I was in high school. Yeah. Because I was on the bottom rung of getting every single name it thrown mm-hmm. into me, at me, and on me. Yeah, if I hadn't been a and, pothead, I probably would have been there too. Yeah. So the, anyway, the, the 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 gist is, I I am not for trying to find a way to make the First Amendment work for the 21st century, especially when we have so many abilities and alterations that can be made at lower rungs of the ladder to, especially inside of legislative areas of cities, make sure that the wrong things don't happen. Because adding more rules above them isn't going to make any difference at all. Hmm. If you are going to protest, I think there needs to be some way... Like, if I told you that I was against something... And it came from my heart. You'd be more likely to at least understand, have empathy where it is that I'm coming from. But if I told you that I was just protesting there, something because there, there was a paycheck, are you really going to believe that my there, heart's in there's, it? That, that's not a piece of the argument. What? Whenever has anybody ever in human history, except when they want to get under somebody's skin, walked up and up to somebody and said, "Do you really believe that?" And then there's any kind of a judgment piece of of calm discussion time where there's either discussion or I'm able to read your heart. And, right. and now I know that you really don't believe what you're here for. There is no such thing. So, right? That's that's lunacy. Would you agree to this then? If you're going to be part of a protest and you're being paid, you should have to have some kind of a marker on your body so that people know, yeah, I'm here because I'm being paid. No. Why? Because there's no law for that. But what I'm saying is if you're being paid, your concerns are less legitimate than you than someone who's just doing it. Like I said, protesting anything is your God given right as an American, your your ability to exercise your First Amendment. Mm-hmm. But and if Joe, you're being and Joe paid Blow, to do it. And Joe Blow is paying me insert dollar amount to walk up to this microphone and say the the sky is black. And so I shall and again I don't agree with that, but it, there is should, no law. That, that should be marked that. though. If you're gonna do marked, it on your marked own marked how like with a with a, with a tattoo or no, like a red tag like a, or something an armband, like a red tag or something on your jacket, so that people can see it in the crowd. Go okay, get the military paid. and start cornering. No, we're not going to do cornering people off. I knew he was going with this. I knew this is where he was going to go with this. I'm just <laughs> no, trying we're not going to mark out. people. No, we're not going to mark people. <sighs> Jesus Christ! What, what, what is how do you know? What okay. is the marking of the other people if on the other side? Of ten, if there's a crowd of ten thousand people. Why don't we have a Why don't we have a true emotion legitimacy ban for the people that are telling the truth? Why not? Because that's the difference between being paid and not being paid. If you're being paid, then your then your concerns are less legitimate. I just think right, they are. But, but if I get a group of people and all of us believe what we believe, and we really do believe, trust me, Wade. Yeah. And we're all wearing the armband of trust. 
See, it doesn't make any difference. Is what I'm telling you. There's because it, if there needs to be a, a red Velcro strap, whatever we're gonna have, God. they're gonna make sure that they're not wearing the red Velcro strap so that they can be pe- included a red as people. Card on your jacket or something, but fine, whatever. <laughs> God. All right. Well, look, wait. We've talked about a whole bunch here. We're obviously munching on different parts of the pie here, but. Yeah. I, I also happen to know that you have a bunch of tools there that you think can help implement this. So let's hear them. It comes down to the kids. In this instance, the kids on college campuses. Okay. And I think that there are – basically there needs to be like a multi-front campaign to get it across. I think first and foremost, the professors need to be willing to expose or explain why it is that they feel the way that they do. I want to know what influences them, what books they've read, how tolerant they are of other viewpoints. Are they on record for encouraging violence against speakers, politicians, or groups? If they actually do believe in restrictions on free speech slash hate speech slash hate crimes, why do they believe that it's not a slippery slope? I think that they should. I think that's something that should have to be explained in public record. Do they have the courage of their convictions to show examples at the same time? Do you, do you want me to address these all at the same time? Or? Go ahead. Hit, oh. hit those. Well, I think you should run through the list and okay. just pause for a moment. And all right. And remember, for those of you listening, I don't believe much of what I'm going to tell you. But I'm giving, <laughs> but I'm giving you the answer because that's what be, would be given in regard to instructors that I have been taught by, by the way. Okay. For those of you that are curious, I went to a series of very liberal schools in Wisconsin. And so I am very familiar with the people that Wade is talking about especially as a conservative inside of Wisconsin. I was very familiar with Yes, that. Mike was deep in the belly of the blue beast. Okay, that, that beast has gotten a little more purple over the years, but I've not experienced that. So. Uh, all right, okay, okay. So the first, the first thing I said is I want to know what influences them. Uh, and it would be something uh, to the effect of I will be grabbing the uh, perspectives, the loyalty, and the information I have garnered as an adult and professional inside the vein of whatever their profession is okay. to share my perspectives, my legacy, and my uh, always growing knowledge base with the future of America via these children. Okay, so that and there's nothing in that you can pick apart and go. There that's is a, not right. there is absolutely nothing that can pick and apart. And that's that. the problem. That, that, that we're going to continue on with these because I want you to see exactly what I'm gonna, what I'm referring well, to. Well, I think I got I'm, I'm, I get more in depth. Okay, what books have they read? Insert number of books that if you read the books, you would go, oh, those books. There might even be ones in there that you think are unacceptable for teachers to be reading. But that's the whole thing. No, what I, what I, what I, if if you're going to go, well, you know those books, those are kind of edgy. Well, in your opinion, they are, sure. And then that's where they would ask you, so would you just like me to burn these books, Wade? Or? No, what I would like you to do is that to expose the counterpoint of each book. If you're I don't going, have if you're to. I'm, read I'm, reading a book, I'm reading a book. They become a piece of my accumulated knowledge as an instructor and professor that has been tenured inside of university where I earn more money than you do and you and your parents do. Yeah, but so many of these... They would actually say things like that. (laughs) But so many of these campuses, they make a point out of hiring other professors that are liberal-leaning as well. It's been Mm -hmm. proven. Sure. That should not be... That that shouldn't be acceptable. The answers I'm giving you are liberal. Okay. Yeah, right. (laughs) I'm giving you the liberal answers. That's the problem. Okay, so... Uh, it's, it's It's the... excellently leaning liberal answers, but they are the liberal answers. But are they liberal or are they leftist? Once again, there needs to be a clarification in that. So what a you're class- saying is you, you want to 
have more name calling inside of the general legislation. No, 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 no. I want a clarification. Okay, but that's what there's they would also say. Like, there's a difference between being a Republican and there's a difference between being a conservative. Right. And what does that have to do with me teaching my class of insert name of class? Because you are in charge of influencing the child that I'm sending to your school. And the school— You're taking, you're taking the ideas and, that I have taught to this child— and you're turning them on their head without explaining why. Right. But you're if just flat out saying I'm wrong. Right. Show me why. But if you've taught them all That's of this if you've taught them all of these wonderful things, you've also steeled them against being brainwashed by somebody who has a differing opinion than you do. You would think. You would absolutely think. But when you're going up against a wave of professors, of uh, students, it's it, 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 it as always, it is rule versus exception. Right. And it is really hard for mm-hmm. the things that I've taught Perfect example. My youngest child, hi Zane, love you to death, is a uh, flat out supporter of Bernie and thinks that there is more to be had to socialism than capitalism. And as I tried to explain to him the differences between capitalism and crony capitalism, and he is just now a young businessman, but I did my best, and I know that his uh, stepdad did as well, to get it across to him the virtues of capitalism and a free society. And now he is in the belly of the beast in Oregon, in the middle of Oregon, and he is pretty much about as blue as it gets. So mm-hmm. the ideas that I put into him his whole life, his stepdad put him his whole life, have been turned on their head. And that's without him even going to school, just being surrounded in that environment. That's why I want these schools to, my whole idea was, and I'll get into this in another show, but what I really wanted to do was I want schools to have to be Labeled one through five as as five is the center of of education, in other words, opposing viewpoints, or center for indoctrination. Mm -hmm. One and everything in between, and let and let the schools find out how the free market works in that regard. It's like I I, I think that's interesting. There's a whole another level of problems with that, though. Too. Let's jump back to your list because we're getting way off track. How tolerant they are of other viewpoints. I encourage all other viewpoints in my class. So you never shut them down. So you never uh, make fun of kids that's for not, expressing That's not what points. you asked. Well, that would be the follow-up to my to, to this. Right, but that's not what you asked. What do you mean? That I said, do you encourage those little points? circles are also things that they'll do. <sighs> there, there is a question, and then I give you my answer, and now we move on to the next question. Mm. That's how that game is played. Wait. Okay. Are they on record for encouraging violence against speakers, politicians, or groups? No. And if they actually do believe in restrictions or free speech slash hate speech or hate crimes, why do they believe that it's not a slippery form, a slippery slope? Uh, the, that's not a question. That is a daftly constructed sentence to catch me. They would tell you that, too. There is no answer I can give you there that would be good enough. And they're not wrong when they say that. Okay, let me form it again. If you do believe in restrictions in speech... How do you believe that's not a slippery slope? I don't believe in restrictions uh, in in speech because of our First Amendment and the Constitution of the United States. No restrictions whatsoever. Okay, good. That's an answer that I like. That makes sense. It's what you should have as as an instructor. You're putting words in my mouth, but no, I don't don't have restrictions based on the First Amendment. And see, they're they're drawing the circle, and you want to go the circle, and then you want to stretch the circle and fit it around your shoe, and it doesn't work that way. (sighs) Okay, so what am I doing we, wrong? You and I and the frustration we're experiencing is exactly why politicians have had seats for 30 years in this country, because this is what happens. You ask questions, and I give you the answers you need that include all of my viewpoint, and if it doesn't, it doesn't make any difference. Because you're tenured. 
more often than not. See, that needs to go. That needs to go just mm-hmm. as well as, as term limits. Term limits. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, if, there, absolutely... if there was a if there was a ticking clock on knowing that you're not going to be in, it might foster along some lame duckery, but it would also mean that there would be an end. Right. And, and there would be different relationships made, and I think a lot of people would just be more contemplative of what exactly goes on. Next question. Would you say that you have the courage of your convictions enough to show examples at the same time of famous examples in the past where people or groups were persecuted or censored? Yes. These are just yes and no questions, yes and no answers. They don't. Um, you're asking questions that can have a yes, no answer. So what do you expect? The one, the question you just asked, absolutely. Let's talk about the Boston Tea Party. Okay. Let's talk about any engagement with the Indians. So okay. now, what would you like to talk about? Would you like to talk about international incidents? Okay. Let's talk about I don't know Hitler. Always easy to go to, absolutely. So, but there's, well, there's what happened with the Puritans being driven out of England because. Mm-hmm. You know, we were being persecuted so terribly in England, Wade, that we actually came here to found a new country. But yeah. you already know that. Yeah, so of course I know that. They would say things like that. That's okay. exactly what would be said. But you already know that, Wade. You know that because of Miss Smith in civics. I know her. We've, we've been here for a long time inside this university. Those kind of things get said all the time, and nobody, nobody thinks anything of it. So, Mike, then what, in your opinion, is the best way to battle temper the influence of these professors that are responsible for kids today thinking that restrictions on free speech are acceptable. Every kid at my school, which they often also say, Mm -hmm. is able to select whatever teachers, classes, and subjects they want. And I look forward to fostering every one of them that chooses my class to help steal their future as an American citizen. Mm. And we're done. <laughs> Seriously. That, <laughs> that, that's the steering the boat right down the middle that is the answers you would get and okay, make everybody going... frustrated because it doesn't, it doesn't paint them as the evil citizen that you think that they are. It doesn't. There are many militant teachers, and I don't know what their answers would be because I don't know how to defend them, but there are those also. And they just, they're stuck inside a tenure or they know where the bodies are or they know where the JFK pictures are. I don't know. I have no idea. There's all kinds of people in every position of government. I'm dealing with one right now at a local municipality. I don't get it. I don't understand with with all the problems and the stacking that goes against the grain of common sense with Uh this lady, how she still has a job. But there she is. After 25 plus years. It'd be kind of nice to know just exactly do you have, I mean, probably with local politics, it's local politics. And she also knows where the bodies are buried mm-hmm. and has some type of influence that is beyond um, your control or view. Another idea that I had to help battle this influence is let's have a full-blown PSA type of ad campaign on all platforms. So everything that's in existence buying space showing just why freedom of speech is and has been so important to our country and how the USA is virtually the only place in the world that has unrestricted free speech. All communist slash totalitarian run countries have heavy censorship. And I think this, if we had a kind of campaign where across the board, we were pointing these out to kids and show where their freedoms would disappear in the likelihood of, a government that was heavy on pushing 
so-called restrictions against hate speech or so-called hate speech, this is what would end up happening. And I think if we actually started teaching these kids, because so many of these children favor communism without truly knowing, like I said, just what happens in these type of totalitarian governments. It's just socialism paints such a rosy picture always in the beginning. And no one is being honest in pointing it out. I think if we get to a point now where the candidate on the left is somebody who is a heavy socialist, that's what it's going to come down to, that battle in this upcoming election. But I think if we had that type of an ad campaign, that it would have, uh, over time, a really broad influence. What do you think? Well, two things. Uh, A good campaign, especially inside of 2020, would require there to be someone on the other side that isn't crazy. (laughs) 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 And I'm, I'm telling you, you know, I, I, I'm reasonably certain we could go find a couple of waitresses that have more going for them than half the people that are left inside of the field. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I and, absolutely uh, agree. I, and, and so I, I don't even know that I consider the first portion of that. The second portion, I think that there are people that have answers. And I think that they have found that the avenues of trying to interlace themselves into the government or making decisions or impacting the right people to do insert whatever is so incredibly frustrating at this point that they don't see a point. And so they just ride like any any other tens of thousands of people do every year where they just kind of go, you know, it's not going to make any difference what I do or say or which direction I vote. Where I, I think if you were to ask anybody, they would choose to not just want to vote one way or another. But you'll note that when you go into the polls, regardless of where it is, what year it is, doesn't make any difference. Binary the, choice every the time. The easiest way to do something is running down a line. Yeah. And I think I, I don't have a fix for that because nobody wants to make the voting process more involved. Nobody wants to go, you know, we really should be paying attention to our votes more. I get that, but that's not prudent. And so I, I don't have a fix for that at all. I haven't even contemplated that. So what but, would you think this kind of an ad, uh, ad campaign, what kind of influence do you think that it would have? Because we got to start with the kids that I, I are think it would have up that I, are I think it would so have heavily this, in this. I think that it would have the same kind of impact that many of the already existing Super Bowl ad campaigns have. Uh, I, I think I kind of look at the one that we've had this week that is kind of a, I don't guess I quite get it moment where... Mr. Peanut died last week in a fiery car crash. Yeah, after 104 years, they killed off Mr. Peanut. Are you kidding me? This actually happened? Yeah. yeah, Somebody uh, thought this was a bright idea? Well, the Peanut Mobile with uh, Wesley Snipes and some other white dude and Mr. Peanut goes over a cliff and the van lands on the bottom of the cliff and on this tree branch, Wile E. Coyote style, is Wesley Snipes, this white dude, and Mr. Peanut. And and the branch starts to break. And Wesley Snipes looks at the white dude and goes, oh, man, I don't know what's going to happen, but, but. And the white guy looks at Wesley Snipes and goes, oh, man, I don't know what's going to happen, but, but. Both contemplating that they're going to let go. Right. Because if somebody doesn't let go, everybody's going to die. Right. And Mr. Peanut sacrifices himself. So he lets go of the branch. He falls to the ground and lands on top of the nutmobile. And then the nutmobile explodes. Okay. That's the first half of the first part of what was supposed to happen with the planters, whatever that, whatever the plan was with the planters ad. And now because of Kobe Bryant's death in a helicopter, they've nixed it all. Well, it was a bad campaign to begin with, but that's just tacky and tasteless. Well, right. But it's a, 
That's like Mr. Sharman being shot in a drive-by to move on to a different we're, campaign. We're going to get rid of the Planner's Peanut commercial and what's going to what's supposed to happen afterwards because Kobe Bryant dies in a helicopter crash. What? <laughs> and and that's that's what I'm saying is that whatever the campaign you were thinking of would get wound up in something stupid like that where it it should have impact. There should be here is the front end of the commercial. Here is the whoa, back whoa, end of the commercial. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We've this has definitely gone off the rails here. Hang on a second. So you're saying that my idea for a campaign basically to start explaining to children why this slippery slope that's being engaged in the restrictions on free speech is somebody a bad would, idea? No. How do you, how no, do you turn that no, around? No, what I'm telling you is that somebody would instantly take exception to it and they would shut it down just like they did with the planner's Mr. Peanut commercial. Because we will never now know, at least not for a while, right? until it becomes more acceptable to talk about Mr. Roasted Peanut. I mean, I, I don't I don't understand. There's going to, at some point in the future, there's going to be an okay time to now talk about the resurrected Mr. Peanut or the, the peanut explosion that was awaiting to be released or something. But they're not just going to let that lie. Anyway, my, my point is is that somebody would shut it down. Somebody would be offended. What? What can eventually... you be offended at? What is there to be offended at when sh- just showing kids that this trend that they're thinking is somehow acceptable, that there needs to be restrictions on the First Amendment, the number one thing that this country was founded on that we escaped from England for is a bad idea. How do you possibly put that in a bad light? Well, think if it was reversed. What what if what if whomever was in charge of writing that commercial uh-huh. was not your lean? Would you be okay with that? What? How do you? Huh? You're assuming that there is one lean inside of commercial creation, anything, and there's not. So whomever would devise this commercial that you're referring to? What I'm trying to say is there needs to how how is it? How is free speech political? That should be something that's beyond politics, left or right. Mm-hmm. Unless you're saying, unless that biologically you're saying that the left is about restrictions on free speech. That does not bode well. I'm telling you that no matter who makes that commercial, that campaign of series of commercials, mm. somebody is going to complain and be offended by it. It's just It's the way it would work. Here's my idea as far as what's happening on campus. Uh, with what speaker, with, when speakers come on campus, respectfully challenge the speakers. Any violence or reasonable or unreasonable disruptions will be met with uh, either ejection from the hall, possible fines, or even expulsion from the schools. I think that, that should absolutely be encouraged on campus, basically to act civilly. Just because you don't agree with someone talking, you should not be allowed by school rules to just allow to shout this person down. You know, just look at it from another perspective. How would you feel if someone came to your event? that you were paid to come in and speak and you were shouted down so that you couldn't even get your views across. I don't think that that should be acceptable. I don't believe that professors should be allowed to encourage that. I think that if if uh, students are violent, disrespectful, depending upon the degree, there should be fines, ejection from the hall, or ex- expulsion from the school. Okay. Okay. Law are laws that clarify the First Amendment. A, protesting with a paycheck is no longer covered. Vandalism and intimidation, violence is not covered. There's no such thing as hate speech. It's just speech. The last one I call that the Sticks and Stones Amendment. And I think that that uh, is where we could go back to teaching the kids something useful is 
for the for most of the founding of this of our country, most of our history, it was taught really simple as a kid. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I think that we were a tougher, more resilient, had a better sense of humor as a people across the board when that was the case. And I know that some people will say that yeah, that was a time when it was okay to call black people the N-word and blah, 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 blah. And that, that's that's this lack of imagination, lack of thinking outside of the box. Of course, that's not accepted, but it's not hate speech. It's just heinous. Any type of speech, the First Amendment has got to be sacrosanct. It has to be. Right now, there's parts of the world, right now, in England, if you say something online, if you like a comment, that someone finds objectionable or non-politically correct, you can be tossed in jail. It's absolutely insane. The First Amendment, right now in our country, it's the last bastion of that type of freedom. And we have got to protect it, not just jealously, but with finality. And that's what I wanted to get across. Guys, Mike and I have tossed a number of different ideas. Of course, I came in with what I thought was a brilliantly put together episode. Mike has poked a billion holes in it and basically sunk my ship of dreams. Um, I would absolutely love, we'd both love to hear what you think of the concept. If you've got any ideas or comments, please go to wadesense.com, fill out the form, let us know what you're thinking. We've got bills to pay. We will be right back with more Wade Sense. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The one question every podcaster needs to ask themselves is, why am I still editing my own podcast? We all know that editing your own podcast is the worst part of the podcast experience. Get the editing off your plate and reclaim more time to make more content with the Editor Core. Affordable, talented, experienced podcast editors are ready to take your podcast literally to the next level to make it soar. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. And we are back from the break. And now on to YouTubery. Mine and Mike's favorite way 
to waste time, but every now and then actually come up with something kind of inspiring, thought-provoking, which is hopefully what this program is doing as well. My first pick is from uh, Dennis Prager. I know I pick from him a lot, but I just I love how he puts things together so quickly. This is one of his fireside chats. It's episode 118. It's a total of 32 minutes and 17 seconds. It's why millennials support communism. There were other things that were covered, but that was the meat topic in that particular episode. And largely, it just comes down to flat-out ignorance and idealism about something that was really the, the greatest evil in modern history. These children do not understand just how heinous communism is and how horrible of an effect it has had on the world. One of the things that Dennis talks about is that he'd gone over to Cambodia. Remember the Khmer Rouge, Mike? Yes. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. And he was over there. I did not realize just to what level the decimation that the Khmer Rouge did to their own people. It was a genocide on their own people. Upward a third of Cambodians were slaughtered. They were. I remember reading the stories at the time. They were killing people Anybody who looked like they had any type of education, if you had glasses, if you looked smart, I'm not making this up. They killed you. And as always, this boils down to people who are ignorant, who are are made to be ignorant and disarmed. And then the government does whatever it wants to you. And people don't ever, ever, ever lie to yourselves that that can't happen here. If we are disarmed if we are first disarmed and then just silenced, a fate like this could happen. And these kids don't understand. 40% of millennials favor communism. This has to be stopped in its tracks. That was my pick. Mike? I have been absolutely smitten with a channel called Wrangler Star inside of YouTube. Wrangler Star? Wrangler Star. And I originally found him because I saw this flash, uh, this flash snapshot of a thumbnail that said it was the review of a $600 survival tool. And I'm like, all right, I'll click on that. And so I watched it. Was that that crazy shovel that has a million functions? Uh, it doesn't have a million functions. It, it's a crazy shovel thing. Okay. And it's not terrible. But what it I really cool. what I really enjoyed about, and we'll link up to it, but the, uh, what I really enjoyed about it was I went there looking for the review of a tool. Mm-hmm. What I found was in the giving of the review of the tool – you had very much the review of a man. Hmm. And so that intrigued me. Yeah. And so I have spent the last almost three weeks filtering through lots and lots and lots of Wrangler Star content. Okay. And what gets me is that uh, Wrangler Star is, his name is Cody, and he is a man that lives in Oregon. And he and his family of a beautiful wife, a now 14-year-old boy and a 2-year-old daughter named Sweet Loaf. Sweet Loaf? Sweet That's Loaf. her actual name? No, I don't know what her. Oh, I think okay. it's I think it's Lily or something cute. That's but cute. Sweet Loaf is the, <laughs> is the nickname and just so fits. Having been able to be a an accidental witness to all of these things that are almost completely alien to me, like how to sharpen an axe, how to fall a massive tree how to kill a tree effectively, Hmm. how to do all of these myriad of things that not only have I never thought about, it's not, I wouldn't even have it on my to-do list, much less to watch somebody do it. Okay. Wrangler Star, I'm going to have to look at this. Yeah, it's tremendous. It's tremendous. I think what it's it's most effective in doing is- On YouTube? 
Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll link up to it in the show notes. You know where your you know where our website is, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll be sure to link it up inside of there. But he has an affinity towards axes, and I'm like, I will never be the guy that is watching axe videos. And holy shit, I'm the guy watching axe videos. Right. Because he, he there's always an instructive piece of something that he's giving inside of every single episode, even if it's an outright review of, like, the uh, a couple of really great ones are, the cheapest chainsaw on Amazon, question mark. Mm. It's got a picture of him with this chainsaw. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I will never be the dude that watches some dude review the cheapest chainsaw on Amazon. Watch it. I see Holy fishing shit, shows here in I the am. future. <laughs> um, no, he's not a fisherman, and I'm not. I'm not either. I'm definitely not a fisherman. My oh, dad okay. and I went fishing probably ten times in our lives, and we caught nothing. We caught a, <laughs> we caught a cold. I remember you. Remember I told you that? This. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, there's there's so many videos, and I don't I don't even I can't even explain how many different videos there are. It's it's a decade probably of videos. Uh, he also has a, a his own his own online store, the Wrangler Star Mart, where he's taken all of his affiliate links from the entire run of his programming and put it in there. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for X that he showcases inside of an episode, it's all there. And what I also really wonderfully love about his programming is he's he's an unabashed man. Yeah, he he instantly tells you. And he even has features inside of many of his episodes where he'll open up this little book and it's a book of manly things. And the little book of manly things, which you can buy inside of his store, by the way, is this tiny little, it's, it's, it's just a little bit bigger than a business card, except it's turned on its end and it's a book of, I don't know, it doesn't look like it's maybe, maybe 60 pages, but it's this little small book and it's all of these colloquial things that men do for women. Hmm. I love it. I'm going to get one for my kids. Yeah. And then there is apparently one that's also for women of that same ilk. Excellent. And the things that he runs through are wonderful, not only because does he then explain it. And it's not, uh, there are a couple episodes that are dedicated to running through little things in that book. But very often they're just, they're the ends of an episode or maybe even in the middle of an episode. And I think that's what I also am totally soothed by is the formatting of his videos. I don't ever feel jarred. I don't ever feel like I'm being assaulted. They're, they're very comfortable. He is a very pointed man. He's also what seems to be a very opinionated man, but he's able to justify his opinions if you were to ask him questions about why he thinks whatever it is he's thinking. Mm-hmm. And then he will then tell you. And I really appreciate that. I, it's, it's something that I wish I could get from a lot more people around me because it's way too hard to try and extract answers from people when all I want to do is ask him a question and not instantly somehow offend them. Right. And it's it, it he two giant ass thumbs up for Wrangler Star. Just wonderful content. Yeah, I haven't even got there yet, but I'm giving it a thumbs up. And I just wrote down a note to myself to check this out. I seriously want to look into these books. I think they'd be a great uh, gift to give my uh, grandkids. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, my second or my second pick is. I know I brought these uh, this band up before Brass Against, and they they, they cover a lot of different bands. This particular, it's four minutes and 36 seconds long, Mm -hmm. is uh, Gasoline. It's an audio slave cover. And it has Amanda Brown singing on it. And I just, I I love, I do this a lot with my passengers. If we get on the topic and we start talking about music, I've got a few different CDs from folks you're never going to hear from. Mm -hmm. 
But I found, I, I picked up this uh, one lady last night, and we'd had a conversation about bands, and I said, you have to check this out. And I went on YouTube, and I found Brass Against, and I just recently had listened to Gasoline, and I put it on, and she just absolutely loved it. I love when you introduce, for the first time it, it was uh, with ELO, where they introduced stringed in- instruments to rock and roll and did mm-hmm. it so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Brass Against just so beautifully introduces a really heavy brass section using also guitar and drum and the modern rock instruments and they blend it so seamlessly and they did i listened to another one where it was a cover of uh, war picks mm. uh, by uh, mm. i can't remember that lady but uh, go in look on it you'll start listening and you'll just it'll it'll cycle one after another and you'll hear songs that you love but now with a brass influence and it's awesome i can't recommend it enough mm. do you have another pick mike i do we are now in a world minus Neil Peart. Yeah, that sucks. For those that are curious, Neil Peart is or was the drummer for the often maligned, not nearly soon enough inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame band. I that's the truth. Rush. Yeah. And I knew that and have always known that Neil Peart was not your average Joe. They called him the professor, didn't they? One of the many names he had. Yeah. It, it always, unfortunately, works like this. And I, uh, again, as now an almost 50-year-old man, I'm only now realizing how true it is that you don't know what you got till it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. And the I, the legacy that Neil Peart leaves behind uh, past at least every single teenager boy on planet earth's sore arms from air drumming <laughs> is a series of books a series of stories and copious youtube videos mm-hmm. where if it's not the reaction videos of neil peart doing insert whatever drum solo or uh the covers of songs that rush did with beat by beat reviews and focuses of any one of a number of drummers. One that I've talked about inside of our program recently is this wonderful female drummer. And it's just fun to watch her. She is Neil. Yeah. Uh, she, she is. That's how fast she is. She's incredible. She, wow. The talent is amazing. That is amazing. And if there wasn't Neil, she? I think she's less than 20. She's very young. Okay. Uh, if there wasn't Neil, she wouldn't be around. The, the actual interviews with him are also something striking that I knew that there were many of them. I did not know how many there are. And for those that have never heard Neil Peart speak, you should go and you should just shut up and listen because the man, the, the man makes me feel like I'm not crazy because I know that I, we've done it inside this episode actually where I'll get off on a tangent talking about something and Wade looks at me cockeyed and he goes, Oh, <laughs> And it, it happens with Neil as well. The difference is that he eventually is allowed to speak and then get somewhere. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. I tend to run off on the rails. And the uh, so it's fun. He is uh, he is a talent that is going to be so sorely missed, and uh, that we were we had him as long as we did is the extraordinary part of his life, his incredible impact to everybody. And his legacy. Yeah. Rest in peace, Neil. That was amazing. You know, I didn't realize all these years I've been saying that's how you say his last name. I always thought it was Pert. 
Nope. It's Peart. 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 Sorry. Look at that. Sorry, Neil. I didn't realize I was saying Sorry you were saying it, yeah, calling him by the wrong name this yeah. whole time. Okay, well, I'm sorry, but definitely That's right, rest, rest Waddy. That's right, right, Waddy. Don't Waddy, worry about shut it. Shut up. <laughs> I'm going to call you Michelob. <laughs> Dummy Codes was a concept that I came up with in the very beginning of our show, and it was all about that I wanted to call out Various people, people's organizations for stupidity and hopefully introduce some type of a punishment that I only wish in my fantasy world could be administered. This particular offender, uh, offenders, I have without a doubt that same feeling. My particular ire this time is that the Democratic managers for the uh, impending uh, impeachment. It just incenses me, one, that people are so ignorant of how our government works, and two, apparently the people in our government are as well. The House is supposed to, in the case of an impeachment, put together the case against the president. They bring the witnesses, the evidence, and everything. They debate amongst themselves. They come to a conclusion. In this case, it was an impeachment. They are then supposed to bring it over to the Congress, I mean, bring it over to the Senate, and the Senate basically just acts as jurors. Mm -hmm. The judge in this Mm -hmm. case is just riding his roughshod over the whole thing. Mm -hmm. In this instance, the Democratic managers are basically telling the senators that we want you to bring in witnesses we didn't get all of the work done and we want you to finish it for us. We're demanding that you get it, that you finish it for us. And I'm just incensed that these people are this arrogant and this clueless because that's not the Senate's job. They're just supposed to be the pool of jurors that decide whether there are uh, enough senators that want to actually finish the impeachment and toss said uh, president out. And I'm just, I'm, I'm angry that both the public are this clueless how it works and the people that are in government. And I, I, I can't think of a proper punishment other than to, oh no, I did. I thought of a great punishment. Listen to this, Mike. This would be great. They have to take, in this case, the house managers would have to take a test and they would do it publicly on functions of the government, basic to start out with and then getting more intense. But the answers are being discussed and graded publicly right in front so these people that are paid six figure, figures plus to sit and run our government would be exposed once and for all for the ignoramuses that they are. So if you're going to get into it and not know what you're doing, be exposed publicly. Mike? I think that's a great dummy code. There's something else I want to add to that, too. There's a wonderful video by Dan Bongino. Yeah. You know Dan Bongino? Yes, I love his podcast. Uh, it's extraordinary, and it, it I believe it was featured on Fox and Friends. I'll try and dig up the link, but I, I just saw it recently, and <laughs> I, 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 I don't remember enough of the particulars to give you the actual blow-by-blow, but it's essentially where you, Dan is a former prosecutor because he used to, he's a former police officer and former Secret Service agent, mm-hmm. but <laughs> he just he essentially looks into the camera and he goes, you know, typically – when when people are being investigated, there will actually be a crime, <laughs> and and he's not kidding. Yeah, he he he's dead serious when he says this several times to the people that are speaking inside the television, and uh, I I again it couldn't be a more dummier code yeah. than the dummy code that has to be issued to people that see this terrible heinous crime that will be found and showcased to the American public soon. Eventually, 
right after we get the next piece of the puzzle. Right soon. <laughs> and we'll get it right after we get the insert peanut butter jelly sandwich. <laughs> or into or whatever. Right. Along this long train of just non never ending listing of things. It is absolutely crazy, and Dan bon, Dan Bongino absolutely puts it into perspective. We'll try and include that video too. I, I I'm trying to remember where I saw it. It, it was probably it's probably Fox News, but I, I I can't remember where. We'll try and find it. It's it's just exquisite. Yeah, I, I love his podcast. He's he's so straightforward and uh, just so New Yorker. Yeah, my, and, and it's it's enjoyable. Yeah, my my dummy code has to come specifically from a very tragic event where nine people lost their lives recently this week. Yeah. Uh, two two on board. His last name was Bryant, and we're obviously talking about the helicopter crash in which Kobe Bryant was killed and his daughter. Yeah. <clears throat> Terrible, tragic, nothing good. It's looking like the pilot was traveling far too fast inside of the conditions in which he was in. Didn't see the mountainside and ran into the mountainside. And Jesus, for those that are curious, physics. You know, helicopters yeah. don't do well when they run into mountains <laughs> or anything. And that, that that's that's the strangely darker light side. The the darker dark dummy side, however, comes from something else that's happened since then. Wow. And wait, have you ever made a mistake? Oh God. Okay. I'm not gonna ask my wife. I'm, I'm gonna ask everybody right now that happens to be listening to our program. Have you ever made a mistake? We're gonna let everybody ponder that for a moment. Yeah. And okay, so you've probably divined whether or not you've ever made a mistake ever in your life. Okay, well, let's go pick your worst one real quick mm. and put that on your plate, Keep regardless of what you know, your perspective and what it is, but you've got your worst mistake on the plate. Got it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I want you to everyone that's listening to consider how fast you think everybody should forgive you or never forgive you. For that mistake. Mm. Okay, so are we thinking pretty thick now? Yeah. Okay, I'll bet we are. Because everybody's made mistakes. And probably everybody, even probably regardless of age, has made a mistake that they wish they could take back. Yes, indeed. More importantly, people have made mistakes that they wish they could take back that were terribly, terribly hurtful. Yeah. But I also know that many people have made mistakes that they wish they could take back that eventually became very, very hurtful, that was an absolute mistake accident. Mm-hmm. And nothing was intended to be bad. Right. I'm not referring to the pilot that ran the helicopter into the mountain, allegedly. Mm-hmm. I'm not referring to anybody that was on the board the helicopter. Right. I am referring to a young anchor lady right now who is probably going to be fired and then tossed out on her ear. Oh, I know what you're talking about. This is ridiculous. For mixing up the words, mince meeting the words, uh-huh. the Knicks and the Lakers. Yeah. Which turned into the plural word of the N word. Right. And instantly outraged anybody that has heard it. Frankly, including me, because I heard it and I'm like, how how could you possibly say that? And then I thought to myself, well, wait a second. I semi-speak for a living also. Mm-hmm. And so while I've got closer perspective on, though I've never made that mistake inside mm-hmm. of that stew pot of those ser- series of words, right. I can definitely see that that happening. And the spigot that this young lady has been instantly put on, those people putting her on the spigot 
are the people I give a dummy code to. Yeah. Because... The outrage culture. The concept of that lady thinking that, okay, this is my opportunity as an anchor that's been working most of my adult life to find my career, and now I'll be able to unleash the N-word across tens of millions of people. So insane. So insane that she would even think that. Of course, it was was absolutely crazy. It was a faux pas. It was absolutely a mistake. It's one that she is going to pay dearly for anyway. We know this. But to assume at all that there was anything malicious or that she was raised by a series of neo-Nazis that had some plan that, so that one day after some monumental effort where a famous black person was taken down, she could then rise up and strike a fist into the heart of the beast this is, dumb. is absolute idiocy and a giant dummy code getter. Yeah. Folks, Mike and I have given uh, what we believe to be some decent dummy codes, vendors. Absolutely would love to hear yours. If you've got somebody that you think needs to be called to the carpet and really have their nose shoved into it, Please let us know. Go to wadesense.com and fill out the form and let us know. Wisdom of the Ages was an idea that I had where wisdom of the past that has managed to survive all of the noise and distractions could surface in modern times and be just as relevant. My particular instance today, I, I hate doing this because I don't know where or who or when it came from. But it so perfectly captures just how important it is to be truthful. A single lie discovered is enough to create doubt in every truth exposed. I think that that so perfectly encapsulates why trust has got to be the basis for any relationship, professional or otherwise. If Mike caught me in a lie or I caught him in a lie, from henceforward, there's always going to be doubt in anything expressed so that was my wisdom of the ages mike so i've got what is kind of a strange series of wisdom of the ages here okay i'm pulling from one of my very favorite songs that i remember sitting to and listening to on a record Ooh. so it's a long ass time ago but i still have it <laughs> and it it do you still it, have a record player um, no, oh, I don't. Okay. I don't have anything to play it on. Oh. You can go and get them now. They're yeah. USB ones that go right into your computer system. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, they're cool. Anyway, during this episode, we talked about the brilliance of one Neil Peart. Mm-hmm. And my favorite Rush song, though, my God, is there not a favorite Rush song, uh, is without question and has been Limelight. Mm. And what I didn't realize until I was probably, I don't know, 35 years old, is that the song Limelight is actually about not liking being famous. Mm. And most people don't know that about Limelight. Mm. And so what I wanted to do was I just wanted to go grab a series of little pieces inside of the the lyrics conveyed inside of that, inside of that song so that you can understand some of the, the web that Neil was weaving when he wrote it. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't it's so the song is so lyrical you would never think that a rock star would be writing this song to help explain to people why he doesn't like them Mm. and it's not that he doesn't like people 
he doesn't like the fame and then the people that fame brings. Yeah. And that's what makes this song so special. I hope that all of you will go listen to it, and we'll link up to it on YouTube just so you can listen to it. The first stanza is incredible. Living on a lighted stage approaches the unreal for those who think and feel in touch with some reality beyond the gilded cage. And what he's referring to there is that when he's done being the rock star behind the massive kit of drums, Mm -hmm. he's just a dude. Right. And he's able to escape. And I, 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 I love that piece. There's a, there's a couple of others in here too. Living in a fisheye lens, caught in the camera eye, I have no heart to lie. I can't pretend a stranger is a long-awaited friend. And that's about the mask that many people inside of professional show business have to put on Mm -hmm. because everybody's got to be loved by the stars, right? Right. He didn't have it in him. And I think that's what is really interesting about the interviews that he is unabashedly straightforward when he says he's just a dude right and he's a very practiced dude and had a lot of things just fall into place for him but it's not because he didn't try the last piece that i wanted to share here with is probably the most important piece which is those who wish to be must put aside the alienation get on with the fascination the real relation the underlying theme the real relation the underlying theme. And again, it's him essentially pointing up to the rest of the stanzas in the song, urging people to understand why he is the way that he is when he is this massive rock star Mm -hmm. that is probably, I'm trying to think of another drummer that comes anywhere near him uh, in, in regard to skill sets. And I, I I just, I don't think that there is one. Most importantly, the ability to articulate why he thinks he is where he is in his life across either his books or any of his interviews. And I can't. And so all of these are a piece of my wisdom of the ages. Thanks to Neil Peart. And once again, rest in peace, Neil, we will miss you and understand and believe that you are definitely one of those musicians that will always be studied and emulated and revered. And air drum, too. And air drum, too. Yeah, absolutely. Beyond a shadow of doubt. Folks, as always, we have had a blast recording this. Um, I personally, I I, I need to go um, get something for my headache. (laughs) But we hope that you enjoyed listening to it as well. And as always, please remember that you can either make excuses or you can have results, but you cannot do both. My name is Wade B. Olson, and this has been Wade Sense. Nick, right now, I am apologizing for where that kept going off the rails. I can't wait to see what you do with it. (sighs) He'll be just fine. He'll remove all of your commentary. (laughs) 
and make it a wonderful piece where Mike speaks for an hour straight. We'll call it Mike's sense. Uh, don't do that to me, Nick, please. <laughs>